he's not back yet. Well, I guess I'm going to have to. First of all, do not turn to John 5, verses 24 through 29. The more I was working on this message, or the more I was reading this message, uh, the, the more uh, Luke 16 seemed to fit better than what I, than, than what I had done. Uh, some of you, this message may be familiar. Uh, this was a message that... Thank you, my son. You're such a blessing to me. <laughs> he is, really. Uh, some of you, uh, this was on, a, on an audio tape that, uh, that I sent for the search committee uh, as I was a candidate for this church. And, and then I preached this message uh, several years ago. But I figured that, that yes, it's an old message. But I, 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 I figured it would be an appropriate message to end this series on. You know, we've been talking about hell for the last few weeks. We talked, first of all, about the fact that not everybody is going to heaven. The Scriptures tell us that not everybody who cries, Lord, Lord, are going to go, going to, go to heaven. We talked about the reality of hell. And we talked about the peril of hell. But this morning we're going to talk about four tragically good things about hell. If you're uh, Luke chapter 16, I'm going to be reading verses 19 through 31. If you're physically able, if you'd stand, please. This is the story of the rich man and Lazarus that Jesus told to his disciples. And it reads, There was a certain man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and, in li and likewise Lazarus evil things. But he is now comforted, and you are now tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from, here, from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear, let them, hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they'll repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses or the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one, though one rise from the dead. May God bless us by the reading and the hearing, but most especially the doing of His words. You may be seated. And before I get into this, I want to read one more passage. You don't have to turn there, but you can just write it down. Revelation chapter 21, verses 11 through 15. And we've touched on this during this series. This is the Apostle John writing about the lake of fire, about that, 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 that great white throne judgment and the lake of fire that awaits those that don't know Jesus. He said, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his worth. 
his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. A modern translation for that would be, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into hell. You know, hell is the kind of place where there are a lot of jokes about it. I mean, we see the, 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 the cartoons. You know, you've got an angel on one shoulder, a devil on the other shoulder, and there's flames behind him. I remember as a kid watching cartoons. I think Bugs Bunny or Tom and Jerry or one of those or both of them had, had, had uh, episodes where one of them was, was, was down in hell and he saw the flames. I remember as a kid there was a, there was a movie out, and I, I, think, I believe it was actually Bill Cosby. It was a comedy, but I think it was Bill Cosby who played, who played the devil. So we, we see all kinds of funny things about it. And it's made to appear not to be as bad as what the Bible says. And there are even folks today that, that, that joke about hell. They joke about taking over. They joke about hell doesn't want, I mean, heaven doesn't want me and, and hell's afraid I'm going to take over. They talk about, hey, I'm going to be partying all the time with all my friends in hell. It's going to be a great place. Now, for those who want to reject what the Bible says about hell, and are pretty optimistic about what eternity holds there in hell, this might be a pretty uplifting message. But for those of us that are concerned about our eternity, where we're going to spend it, this hopefully will be a, a sobering message. Four tragically good things about hell. <clears throat> the first thing I want us to see is that in hell, no one will bother you about Jesus. If you notice in the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, you don't see any witnessing. You don't hear Father Abraham talking to the rich man about Jesus. You don't hear Lazarus talking to the rich man about Jesus. You don't hear the rich man saying, please give me another chance or please tell me about Jesus because I want to get saved. In hell, no one will ever bother you again about Jesus. Let me ask you the question this morning. Do you ever get tired of the chaos and the confusion that those Christians cause every Christmas and Easter? You know, every, you go into the store and you just you either want, don't want anything to do with it or you just want to say Merry Christmas and you got all these Christians that are, well, Jesus is the reason for the season. And I don't care whether you say, say Happy Holidays or not, I'm going to say Merry Christmas. But at Christmas and Easter, we got all these Christians that are out there and then the news even picks up on it. Trying to steal everybody else's fun, trying to, trying to impose their views on everybody about Jesus. Well, guess what? In hell, you'll never have to hear that again. Do you ever get tired of, of the TV preachers? And I'm not talking about the name it, claim it guys, but the legitimate ones. Do you ever get tired of the TV preachers asking you to give your life to Christ? Do you ever get tired of, of the guys on the radio saying you need to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus? Do you get tired of people, and I mean legitimate ones, knocking on your door and asking you, do you know how to get to heaven? Or folks out in town or at the mall handing out tracts do you ever get tired of, of mom and dad, of your son or your daughter or your grandparents or your friends or your relatives nagging you about church, nagging you about Jesus? Because if you do, i got good news for you. In hell, nobody will ever bother you about Jesus again. Those people who tried to cramp your lifestyle who tried to take away your personal freedom and liberty, who didn't want you to have a good time, 
living your life as you saw fit, young people and teenagers, mom and dad that were constantly hounding you, well, you need to come to church, you, you, you need to live for Christ, and, and don't worry about all this stuff all your peers are doing because it's going to amount to nothing. Walk the straight and narrow, give your life to Christ. You're never going to have to hear about it again. Those people who warned you about sin and sin's consequences, you're never going to have to listen to again. Pastor John, who pleaded and begged with you Sunday after Sunday, invitation after invitation to come to Christ. Folks, I will never bother you about Jesus again. The first tragically good thing about hell is that in hell nobody will ever bother you about Jesus again. The second tragically good thing about hell is that you'll still have all your wants, your wishes, and your desires. We see in this parable that the man desired a drink of water. He was so desperate. He said, I don't need, I don't need a drink. Just get Lazarus to touch his finger in the water and, and, and put it on my tongue. In hell, you'll still have all your desires, all your wishes, all your wants. You'll still have that desire to eat, drink, and be merry, to party on. Every lust, every desire that you have in this life, folks, you're going to have in hell. That desire for a friend's husband or a friend's wife, that desire for another woman or for another man, that desire to, to either go to the video store or click on your computer for some more pornography, that claim, I mean, that craving for another drink, the yearning for that, that drug, your drug of choice, whether it be marijuana, crack, cocaine, oxycotton, whatever it is, you'll still have the, crazing for, the craving for it. They'll still be there. That need for another one night stand. That yearning to gossip. That yearning to be envious. To, to, to want to hold on to your bitterness, your hatred, your jealousy, all those things that you've carried in your heart and didn't want to let go of because after all, you deserve to feel this way and, and these folks made you the way you are, guess what? You're still going to have all that in hell. Because you see, in hell, you'll still have your mind. We see right here in this parable, in this story, and really it's up for grabs among some, some uh, biblical scholars as to whether this is a parable or whether this is Jesus relating a true story. Even though most of us know it is the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. But we see in this, in this passage that the rich man still had his mind. All those thoughts, all those desires, all those things that you think give you pleasure now and think give your life meaning will still be there. There's just one problem though. In hell, those lusts and those desires will never be fulfilled again. In verses 24, 24 25, and 28, torment is spoken of. And folks, it's, the torment is just not going to be the torment of the worm that never dies or the flame that's never quenched, but it's going to be the torment of the fact you still have your mind. All the wants, all the wishes, all the needs, all the desires that you have in this life, if you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, you're still going to have in hell. But those desires will never be satisfied again. 
The third tragically good thing about hell is that you'll be with a lot of famous people. You'll be with a lot of famous people. Some of the, the great minds of philosophy and science will be there. Men like Plato, Plato, I never have been able to pronounce his name right. Socrates, men like Charles Darwin and Carl Sagan will be there along with billions and billions of other people. And if you don't know any better, that's kind of a cheap joke because Carl Sagan had this series out called The Cosmos. And he was always talking about billions and billions of stars and galaxies and all that stuff. I figured I had to educate you on that one. You can, okay. Some of the great minds of religion will be there. People like Buddha, who said, I have an eight, I found an eightfold path to enlightenment, but he never came back to tell anybody all about it or to say that he made it. Confucius, who said, that which I have taught, I myself cannot attain. Muhammad, who, who told some of his biographers, or it's written, that the voices that spoke to his head, he didn't know whether they were angelic or whether they were demonic. Religious leaders like Gandhi will be there. And there will probably be, pl be plenty of popes and preachers and priests and pastors there too. Men that, that either sincerely thought they were doing God's work but they were doing it the wrong way or men that knew that they were preaching lies are going to be in hell because again, the Bible, Jesus said, just because you say, Lord, Lord, doesn't mean you're going to get there. Some of the great minds of philosophy and science, some of the great minds of religion will be there. You'll rub elbows with some of the most famous, or I probably should say some of the most infamous people in history. People like the Roman emperors Nero, Caligula, dictators like Stalin, Mussolini, Hitler, Saddam Hussein will be there. People like David Berkowitz, the son of Sam Killer, would be there. The Oklahoma City bomber, the men who flew the airplanes on 9-11, the Boston Marathon bomber, people like that, if they didn't give their lives to Christ in those last seconds of their lives, they're going to be in hell. You're going to be with some famous people. Then there are the Hollywood types who either never had time for Jesus or they ridiculed and rejected Him during their lifetime. People like Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Tupac Shakur, Kurt Cobain, Jerry Garcia, and I could probably go through a list of, of more even modern ones of folks that as far as we know never gave their life to Jesus Christ before they died or going to be in heaven. So all these famous people, but do you realize also there's going to be a lot of quote-unquote good people in heaven. Not just good famous people, but good normal people. Moral people, religious people, praying people, even Bible-believing people, but people that never did anything with their head knowledge of Jesus Christ. They're going to be good people in hell, people who are going to get saved tomorrow, but tomorrow never came. In hell... You'll be in some good company because you'll be with some famous people. And you'll be with some good people. The fourth and last tragically good thing about hell is that you'll still have your memory. The fourth tragically good thing about hell is that you'll still have your memory. We see here in this passage in Luke that the rich man remembered that he had brothers. He remembered he had brothers and he wanted Abraham to send... Lazarus to tell his brothers about him. In hell you'll still have your memory. 
Folks, you'll have an eternity to look back over the great times, the great parties, the great sex, the great drugs, the, the, the great gossip sessions, the great backstabbing sessions. Everything that you're living for today and you think makes life worth living, you will be able to remember for all time. All those things you thought were good, all those things you thought you deserved either to have or to think or to say or to do, you'll be able to remember them for all times. But you know what? Sometimes having your memory can have a downside. Because since you have your memory, you'll remember that mom or that dad, that grandmother, grandfather, son, daughter, aunt, uncle, cousin, that relative who tried and tried and tried to share the love of Jesus with you, who tried to get you to come to Jesus Christ and are in heaven right now, and you're not. You'll remember all those folks that witnessed to you, all those loved ones that you thought you were going to, to, to be with forever, but they're in heaven now and you're not because they accepted Jesus and you didn't. And while in the agony and torment that will be held, because again, remember in Mark chapter 4, it says, the worm will not die, the worm eating our flesh, and the fire will not be quenched, the fire that will burn us for eternity. While in the agony of torment of hell, you will remember all the missed chances you had to give your life to Christ. You will remember all the missed chances you had to turn from your sin and to turn to Jesus. Again, the friends and the relatives that invited you to church. You'll remember every time you turned on that, on that TV and saw Billy Graham or, or Charles Stanley preaching, but you turned the channel. Every time you turned, on, you turned the radio on or you were going through the stations and you heard something like Billy Graham or Charles Stanley preaching, but you didn't need that junk. And you turned it on to something else. You remember every time you got annoyed with me because I wouldn't cut the altar call short. Even though the only reason I didn't cut the altar call short was because I was, I was extending it for you. Because I could see you standing there white knuckling your pew, grabbing your pew as hard as you can and you wouldn't come forward but you knew that God was calling you to salvation. But in your pride and in your arrogance and in your stubbornness, you refused to take that step. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ and you never accept Him and you wind up in hell for eternity, for all eternity, you will remember Mother's Day, May 12, 2013. For eternity, you will remember this message and you will cry out, Why? Why? Why didn't I listen? Why did I not accept Christ? Why did I not do what was so simple, but yet I knew I needed to do, but I was too good for it? You're going to have eternity to remember that and to ask those questions. Folks, I want us to realize here in closing that God doesn't send anybody to hell. We choose to go to hell ourselves. And you might be sitting here saying, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor, because I'm not choosing to go to hell. Listen to me. By rejecting Jesus Christ as Savior, you're choosing hell. Right. 
According to the Bible in John chapter 3, if you've not turned from your sin and turned to Jesus, if you've not been saved, if you've not been born again, see these aren't Baptist words, these are Jesus' words. You can go back to John chapter 3 and find them. If you've not turned from your sin to Jesus, if you've not been saved, if you've not been born again, if you've not accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, then by default you're choosing hell. Well, Pastor, what if I walk out of here and I haven't made my mind up yet? No vote is a no vote. By saying, I'm going to make up my mind tomorrow, what in reality you're saying is you've rejected Jesus today because you might not have tomorrow. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. You don't get there through being a good person. You don't get to heaven by, by being a moral person or a religious person or a Bible-believing person. You don't get to heaven by doing good deeds and good works, by giving money to charity. You get to heaven only through Jesus Christ. Folks, I'm not talking about adopting a philosophy. I'm not talking about adopting a religion or adopting a faith. I'm not talking about becoming a member of Victory Baptist Church or becoming a Baptist. I'm talking about giving your life to Jesus Christ. All that other stuff will come later. But are you rejecting Jesus Christ this morning as Lord and Savior? Again, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. See, God loves you so much. He loves us so much that He gave us a free will to either accept Jesus or to reject Him. He does not force us to love Jesus because if we're forced to do it, it's not really love. That's why He gives us a free will. He gives us the free will to accept Jesus or reject Him today. What are you going to do with Jesus today? Four tragically good things about hell. Nobody will ever bother you about Jesus again. You'll still have all your wants, your wishes, your desires. You'll be with a lot of famous people. You'll still have your memory. But folks, if you reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, are these four things enough to see you through eternity? And remember, eternity... (laughs) It's just that. It's eternity. It's everlasting. It's not going to end. There's no hope for anything to change, for anything to get better. Folks, I'm going to be more blunt this morning than I normally am. Every single one of us here has been given truth. Whether you want to admit that it's truth or not, doesn't matter because God says it's truth. He says it's God's truth. And when God delivers truth to us, He expects us to act on it. He expects us to make a decision on it. And my question to everybody this morning, two questions, is number one, do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? And number two, if you don't know Him today, in light of everything we've talked about the past three weeks, in light of everything I talked about today, are you ready to turn from your sin? and to turn to Jesus. Again, I'm not talking about becoming a Baptist or becoming a member of Victory. I'm talking about giving your life to Jesus. And let me throw in there too, you know what, just because you said a prayer, walked an aisle, and got baptized, that doesn't mean you got saved. Because the Bible tells us that if we're truly Christians, we've, we've changed. Everything about us has been changed. 
For some of us, it's like that. For some of us, it's a work in progress. But we don't walk the same way, talk the same way, live the same way, act the same way, think the same way, do the same things we used to do if you're truly saved. We may stumble into them once in a while, but that's not going to be the, 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 the normal for our lives. So my question today is, do you know for sure that you're truly saved? And second, the second question is, if you know that you're not saved, are you ready today to quit playing games and turn from your sin and turn to Jesus Christ and ask Him to save you? Because this... And I, I don't say this to scare people. If I, I say so many times, if I could scare you into accepting Christ, I'd, I'd, I'd do it. But folks, if me scared you, if, me, if I talk you into something, somebody else can talk you out of it. But if Jesus, if God's Holy Spirit talks to you about something, it's going to stick. Either you're going to accept it or you're going to reject it. Are you ready if you're not sure or you know for sure you're not saved? Are you ready to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus this morning? Preacher, what do I got to do? Just what I said. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus. Ask Him to become your Lord and Savior. Ask Him to take control of your life. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. If it's your desire this morning to come to know Him as Lord and Savior, I want to lead you in a prayer. Keep in mind that the prayer is not what saves you. Jesus is who saves you. The prayer is just the tool, the vehicle, the method, if you will, to speak your heart to God. And if it's your desire to come to know Him this morning, would you just say this prayer with me? With every head bowed and every, eyes closed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, I realize this morning that I'm a sinner. Lord, that means I've done things to disobey You with my thoughts, my words, my actions. And Father, I'm sorry for that. Lord, I realized this morning that hell is a real place. And God, I don't want to go there. But I also realized this morning You sent Your Son Jesus to die on the cross to take my punishment so I don't have to go to hell. He shed His blood to cover my sins so I don't have to go to hell. And Father God, right here and right now, though I don't understand everything, based on my faith in You, based on my faith in Your Word, I turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus. I ask Him to save me, to become my Lord and Savior. Lord, I ask Him to take control of my life, every aspect of it, for Him to live through me. And I promise to live for Him and love Him the rest of my life. Father, thank You for this gift. In Jesus' name, Amen.